look forward to retirement and avoid the pitfalls. Keep listening for ways to maximize your retirement income. More Than Money with the Popowich Carmelli Advisory Group, CIBC Woodgundy, on News Talk 770. Lifestyle matters. It's more than money. I'm Faisal Carmelli, my co-host here, Dave Popwich. How you doing, buddy? Hi, Faisal. I'm good. How about you? I'm good. I'm good. Um, you know, we've got a. I think we got a cool show every week, but this week <laughs> we're going to talk about um, innovation. So I, I think you and I are both on the same page here. As our population ages, there's lots of problems associated with that, and technology can play a, um, an important role in doing that. So we want to we want to take a look at some of the brightest innovations and some competitions in Canada to help identify and bring those to light. Yeah, it's it's nice to hear that there's a Canadian focused technology boom happening. Although it's not as big as what we're hearing in Silicon Valley, but mm-hmm. there's opportunities and then to hit the demographic that we talk to the most, which is the people over the age of 50, that actually helps as well too. Yeah, you bet. Um and there's also some uh, some new work being done and some new ideas around how to how to bridge uh, kind of a multi-generational gap, right? We've got young people in the country that um, are looking for information, knowledge, skills, wisdom, and we've got an older generation that sometimes runs into, into problems around um, social isolationism and, and those kinds of issues. I think we can kill two birds with one stone. Or at least there's some, some strong thinking around this idea, and we're going to talk and explore that idea a little bit. Absolutely. Okay, let's. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about um, <clears throat> kind of what happened in the markets and some of the key themes Um that we were were talking about, and I, I'm going to raise this issue of so. There's always problems, okay. Uh, no matter what <laughs> period of time we talk about, there's we're talking always talking about you or the market. Well, or? yeah, both. Yeah, okay, there's, there's always risks and problems that yeah, we have to sure. talk about. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> this week, um, I, I'm I'm tired of talking about just trade, uh, although that's still important. I want to talk about this notion of of tariffs, okay. And um, I am convinced now after uh, Trump sort of threw the tariff threat at Mexico for an immigration issue, that uh, I'm going to propose that tariffs are with us. Th- these are his fists. Okay? He doesn't need Congress's support. Don't got, he can just executive order away and just start throwing bombs. But the fists that he's going to fight with clearly are tariffs. And I'm going to propose to you and get your thoughts on this, that I think that tariffs, as long as Trump's in office, we we will have the threat of tariffs. And I'm also going to suggest that tariffs are with us anyways. Tariffs, we've got tariffs on international trade long before Trump. This, right? is, this is part of the thing that we have to realize, that tariffs was all, were always there. Yeah. Right? We've never had a global free trade program. Correct. It's never happened. Right. And as long as people uh, and countries just worry about themselves, we're going to have tariffs. Right. So that is the premise that everybody needs to think about. Right. Now, the com- the comment that you made about, and I could actually picture Donald Trump with his fists up and saying, <laughs> tariff for you and tariff. Anyways, the point is, to right, it's a left. <laughs> these tariffs are going to be continued. And he's figured out that if you really want to make change, you go after the pocketbook of the other country. Right. Everybody else has been talking about diplomatic conversations. And let's sit down and negotiate our way through. Yep. But if you want fast action on things like immigration, or let's not even talk about the China trade war being a China trade war. It is a technology ban. It is a piracy issue. This is all about technology and who owns that technology. Yeah. And well, so, there's a multitude of issues wrapped so up when, in it, right? So when Trump says that Huawei can take information and give it back to the Chinese government, but will negotiate Huawei in the deal for the, for the tariffs... Well, then that doesn't sound like you actually really think about 
conversation going to the Chinese government. Yeah. So this is always going to be here. Right. What we're finding is people are just so focused on the day-to-day conversation of tariffs that they react to everything else going on. Yeah, that's partly my point is, um, listen, as long as Trump's around, just expect tariffs. And the minute he's not happy with something, he's going to throw a tariff at somebody, I, or at least a threat of it. And I bet you the next president that comes into play, as long as that president's around, there's going to be tariffs. Yeah, probably. And the president after that, and the president after that. Right. Like, this is no different than when we, back in the 90s, it was, it was a big tariff and trade war with a bunch of vehicles coming into the United States, taking mm-hmm. over the domestic auto market. Right. And that was with Japan. Right. What happened in Japan since then? Right. They have fallen from being the number two to the number four. Yeah. I mean, some other issues there with aging demographics. Sure. But that's part of their policies, right? And so these are the things that people have to remember. Trade war has always been there. Well, there's always been tariffs. Always. The day before Trump was brought into office, there was tons of tariffs worldwide. Absolutely. Um, However... There is still a risk of a policy mistake. I mean, we saw, I think it was the Bush administration had aluminum steel tariffs in place in North America for a bit. Yep. Uh, and beyond those borders, it didn't last very long. So, listen, the, there's there's problems. Today we're talking about tariffs and whatnot. I'm interested in sort of the impacts of those tariffs, right? Because there's there's a notion in, uh, that the, it's creating a slowdown, right? The economic data is slowing. Maybe it's tariff-related. Maybe it's just the end of a normal cycle. Maybe it's a combination of both, Yeah. right? Um, but I was interested in I was reporting this week on the news about um, uh, Lululemon. Okay. And so I'm, I'm interested in reading reports now to see how companies are adapting to this environment, right? Okay. If we expect that tariffs are, are kind of the tool of the, the trade right now. Lululemon was interesting. So they in their report, they uh, cited a three to five cent cost mm-hmm. of the tariffs. Now, it was sort of broken out like this. They said, listen, one of the problems, like if we get an, a, an expansion of the tariffs, okay, we think that that's the total cost all in. But even if we don't get tariffs, we're changing our business model now. One of the problems we face is delays at the port of entry, uh, you know, shipping ports in Asia. Okay. So to get our product to Asia, these, this, these tariff fights and whatnot and the relationships are creating problems. So we're going to rely more on aero freight. So supply chain differential. Yep. Logistics. Yep. And to hedge our risk against that, regardless of whether or not additional tariffs are put in place, we are committed to air freight, and that's going to cost two to three cents so in earnings. Here's what I think people need to remember, is when companies report about their impacts of trade war or tariffs, it is the same thing than when retail companies complain about the weather and they didn't sell enough of their items. Right. Remember that, because I have seen... Five different retailers give their earnings reports, and four out of the five says weather hurt our bottom line, and the fifth says, nah, it wasn't so bad. What was the difference in temperature at that one retail company oh, yeah. uh, versus the, that nationwide in yeah. the United States, for yeah. example, that didn't have the same exposure of, of, of that uh, when it comes to weather as the other companies did? Right. So let some of these companies will use these tariffs and trade wars as an excuse. Yeah, for sure. And that increases the the uncertainty of the stock market. Look at ABC Company. They're saying the tariffs are hurting their bottom line. No, they were just poor in their bottom line before. Yeah. And now they've got an excuse to, to say why. Yeah. So I think we got to take a step back from management of companies saying tariffs are hurting or helping their bottom line yeah. and go to the data. Yeah. The data will not lie. 
And that's where I think as investors, when we react to these uh, tariffs and trade wars, you'll be able to find the gems, the ones who can adjust their supply chain, the ones that can actually diversify their risk, the ones that can hedge out the, the volatility of these types of issues. They're the ones that are going to prevail. And the smaller companies that can't do that or other companies that are mismanaged will slowly go down. And, and I think that's the beauty of our market is that we're going to see which have not only strong numbers, yep. but strong management to prevail this. Yeah, agreed. Um, President Trump got a little bit of his wish, I think, um, in the last couple of weeks with respect to the Fed. Like, There's two big issues, two big levers being pulled right now, right? There's this constant trade um, rhetoric, whether it's directed at China or otherwise. And we've got uh, central banks led by the Fed. So, uh, you know, it's interesting to watch um, equity markets or risk assets respond to uh, the threat of, you know, additional tariffs and so on and so forth. That's put pressure on them. And we've got underpinning all of that a U.S. Fed that seems to be accommodative, ready to standing ready to ensure that the expansion continues. And, um, you know, this week there was lots of days, which is kind of interesting to see that there's probably a ceiling on equities. Uh, you know, in light of some of the rhetoric that we're facing. But at the same time, there's likely a floor placed under them as well with a Fed standing ready to to add further liquidity and stimulus into the system. And we keep on forgetting that this is the name of the game. It's liquidity. Yeah. And if you giveth, you can taketh. And if you can do either or, you can manipulate the market. Yeah. And I'm using that word manipulate to get people's attention. Okay. It's, this is the game of the Fed. Don't fight the Fed. Don't fight the Fed. The Fed will be able to provide you with the the wind be behind your back so you can sail forward, or it will be a headwind for you where you can fall backwards. Right. So just you know, stay in line with what the Fed's doing because they're the ones at the end of the day that control the liquidity in the world. Right. And so I, I you know, no matter what everybody else says, Trump, whatever it may be, it's going to be a uh, a Fed watch. All the time. Yeah, no, for sure. I agree with that. Okay, let's wrap up this segment. we gotta, we got to move on. We do have an upcoming uh, seminar where we're going to try to make some sense of how to plan given all of these sort of, uh, you know, weird circumstances and, you know, levers that are being pulled. Yeah, we've got an investment strategy approach to profit and protect with all this stuff happening. And we'll talk about that on Tuesday, July 23rd, 7 p.m. at the Four Points Sheraton Hotel in Calgary. You need to reserve your seats. Give us a call, 966-8400. That's 966-8400. Or go on our website to register at morethanmoneyradio.com. We've got a competition going on in Canada right now to try to bring the newest innovations forward to help us as we age. Stick around for that. You're on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Welcome back. You're here with Dave and Faisal on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. You know, we've, uh, we keep in touch with the folks at, uh, at AgeWell. Uh, on a fairly regular basis, and AgeWell is Canada's technology and aging network, and sort of brings together researchers and industry, nonprofits, yep. governments. Um, you know, just in in a way to try to make sure that they've got we've got technology solutions that help improve the quality of life as we age. And we did a we did a um, uh, a show, I think it was last week, where we d touched about how robots are slowly taking over yep. in certain countries like Japan, yep. and technology is going to be the need to bridge between human care and human resources. Mm -hmm. And so uh, we, we always love getting updates from AgeWell. Well, that's right. And there's a competition going on right now. We're going to talk a little bit about that. But joining us from AgeWell is Dr. Michael Krastowski. He's a business development and industry uh, relationship, relationship manager. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I didn't know how to speak before this. Um, Michael, first of all, I want to welcome you to the show. Uh, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Uh, let's just talk a little bit about um, the competition that AgeWell is hosting right now. Tell us a little bit about what's going on. Yeah, so this competition is our 
National Impact Challenge and the Startup Edition. And really, as Agewell always does, we're trying to get you know, the best and brightest innovators together um, that are going to be producing the innovations and technologies that benefit older adults and caregivers in Canada. Mm-hmm. And with this competition, we are basically put out a call to startups from across Canada. Uh, we got a whole host of entries from, from coast to coast, really. And the idea is five finalists will be pitching at uh, three different uh, events to uh, showcase their innovations and technologies. And then one winner will be selected at each event, uh, receiving uh, $15,000 in cash and a host of other in-kind uh, prizes, uh, membership in our network, and, and just recognition and all those kinds of good things. And, you know, it's really just another way for us to push forward uh, technology that's going to be able to improve life for people in Canada. Tell us a little bit about some of the applicants, uh, if you can, uh, and sort of what you expect to see coming out of this, if you've got any sort of insights into that. Yeah, so we had applicants with kind of a range of different uh, solutions um, from things like smart sensors that look at non-intrusive monitoring of people and smart home technology for, for better aging in place. Um, you know, vertical gardens, which actually have technology built into them as well to help people in communities and in homes have things uh, that they can enjoy and do even if they are in a, in a smaller environment. Um, there's technology for staying active, fall detection, virtual reality for training, and you know, medical and rehabilitation technology, just a whole range of things uh, and, and innovations that are really going to be able to, to benefit older Canadians. So are you in a position, Michael, to comment, um, you know, on, on any particular technology areas, you know, some that, you know, you think could be revolutionary, we're close to bringing into the home, um, you know, anything like that, just give us a, a sense of where the future may lay. Yeah, so, you know, I think there's, there's more and more being done around, uh, you know, smart technology and smart home technology um, that's facilitating uh, aging in place. You know, as you may understand with uh, the way the demographic is shifting and, mm-hmm. and for the first time seeing more people over 65 than there are children in Canada, you know, we definitely have a lot of people entering that phase in their life and what we want to ensure is that they can stay and, and enjoy life in their homes for, for as long as they can. And you know, smart home technology and, and technology like smart sensors is, is really being positioned to do this. Now, you know, you hear a lot about uh, these kinds of technologies for, for everyone, but uh, there are startups and innovators looking to kind of shape them and make them accessible to older adults and caregivers so that, you know, not only are they safe in their home, but they can, uh, you know, be more independent um, and at the same time stay connected to family members and friends in different ways. So I really think that kind of technology will make uh, a great impact going forward. And, you know, we obviously support a lot of it through a research we fund and uh, we'll see a lot of it in, in these startup competitions as well. Michael, when, when you're going through all these different exhibit, these different uh, ideas and so forth, there's some great ideas that I think could just happen right away. Like we don't, we can see they be implemented right away. But we find that there's a lag time between concept to actual implementation of this of these technologies. What would you say are some of the reasons why we see that lag in time? That's a that's a good question. Um, 
I think there there's a range of reasons depending on the technology. I mean, when it comes to something that's really new and revolutionary and that's coming about through um, through a startup or through research, there's a lot of costs involved up front, and you know there aren't always resources there to get this to to market quickly. Um, you know we we try to do our part when we do fund research projects and and bring partners together and you know have competitions like this for for startups. But I'd say there's definitely you know still still a gap. Uh, in this country, at least, um, to kind of create some momentum and and have a really targeted support for for startups in this in this sector in this space, um, I, I think we're doing a lot to fix that. And you know, part of the reason for having competitions like this is to put the spotlight on innovators in this yeah. space, uh, and you know, so not just for AgeWell to provide support for them, but really for all Canadians to see that, you know, we have people in Canada uh, doing some great work um, with new and, and interesting technologies like this. Do you think the lack of support that you mentioned earlier was, is from government or from other corporations or like where is this lack of support coming from? I, I would just say it's, it's, it's not even um, a particular uh, entity It's that that's not providing support. It's, it's perhaps because there isn't necessarily enough awareness of what's out there. And so because of that, uh, you know, when you don't have that kind of awareness, you know, it, it could be harder for, for early stage companies to get investment and even get on the radar uh, for investors. You know, a lot of times things become hot topics, you know, let's say like AI um, or like blockchain technology. And as they do, you'll see more companies getting investment as well, you know, people getting kind of on that on that train. So when it comes to technology for older adults, uh, I think just in general, there's still space to increase awareness of the kind of early stage things that are being produced and the startups that are in the space. And uh, I think as a community uh, of, of stakeholders and partners in that space, and that includes AgeWell, we, we really need to make sure that we can spotlight things like this so that you know they can benefit. Yeah, I think, um, you know, Faisal, the, the, it was an interesting question you asked because I was thinking a little bit about uh, the venture capital community in, in Canada, right? So access to capital becomes so important for these startups, and Canada just does not have a good network of venture capitalists. You know, compare that to the states and the amount of capital available for private equity. It's just, it's not even close, yeah, right? Yeah, well, we're, we're similar to some smaller European countries yeah. in regards to venture capital, but, but we have access to capital from around the world. So I, when I look at um, venture capital, it's not only a Canadian thing. It's They're not coming into Canada for a reason. I don't know why that is. But when it comes to this type of technology and that, that gap in time, like we see things come out. You get more, you get faster technology for the average person than you do for a niche market like no, for sure. the aging demographic. No, right? sure. So that's where I think part of the problem is and do we need more incentives or some sort of direction from government or somewhere mm -hmm. to get this going because... Surprise! We're all aging, like yeah. you know, and it's gonna, we all we're all going to need it, right? Like, I think this is the future, and if we can get on it now, we'll we'll be ahead of the curve versus waiting until the future is already here, and then we go. Oh, right? Maybe we should start something now. Yeah, we should, or somebody's already done it. Uh, Michael, before we let you go, uh, the National Impact Challenge. You know, if somebody's interested in sort of tuning in, seeing uh, what the pitches are, the new technologies, how do they get this information? How do they keep in touch? Yeah, I think the the easiest way for people to do that is to to get on our website, 
you know, which is ageworld-nce.ca, and the information is right there on our main page. They can, you know, attend the events that are open to the public and, and have a lot of really great people attending and, and kind of moderating and speaking there. Uh, and they can also obviously follow us on Twitter and social media to stay up to date on what's going on. You know, we do have these competitions coming up right now, but we're going to be doing a lot of things uh, with startups and continuing our work with funding great research as well. So, you know, cool. really getting on board on our newsletters and social media is something we always encourage people to do to stay engaged. Perfect. Michael, I want to thank you for your time today. I appreciate it very much. Thanks a lot. It's always great talking uh, to folks like yourselves about uh, aging and technology. We're going to keep in touch. We've been joined by Dr. Michael Krastowski, who's a business development and industry relations manager at AgeWell. Um, speaking of aging well, my friend, we're going to talk about um, the four buckets and how to plan uh, to age well and to enjoy a lifestyle. Yeah, you, you know, you know, when people age and they go through retirement, their biggest concerns, one is health. Yep. The other one is running out of money. Yep. Um, we're going to spend some time on our seminar on Tuesday, July 23rd, to discuss how you can prevent running out of money. And I think that's a big a big thing that will leave you a lot of anxiety that comes in the retirement yep. uh, phase of your life. So that's Tuesday, July 23rd again, 7 p.m. At the Four Points Sheraton Hotel in West Calgary, you need to reserve your seats. Give us a call, 966-8400. That's 966-8400, or go on our website to register at morethanmoneyradio.com. We're going to learn about an innovative program that's helping bridge the gap between intergeneration, or sorry, multi-generations. So stick around after the break for that. You're on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Fairy tales can come true. It can happen to you. If you're young at heart. Welcome back. You're here with David Faisal on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. You know, Faisal, we've got um, a couple of different uh, issues we're going to try to tackle in this next segment. We've got okay. this is issue of mentorship, right? Mm -hmm. So we've got a very skilled, educated uh, seniors population, and, and a lot of these people love to give back. And we've got a youth um, that is, in many cases, interested in learning um, which is terrific. Now, on the other hand, we've also got a seniors population that sometimes gets socially isolated. Correct. And we've talked about sort of the health problems and the you know the general uh, problems that that can create. So, is there a way to sort of combine those things and try to accomplish and kill two birds with one stone? And I think there might be. Wow. Okay. So let's explore this a little bit. We've got uh, Ruby Leacott. She's executive director of Linkages Calgary joining us today. Ruby, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. It's our pleasure to speak to you today. Well, so let's talk a little bit about uh, linkages. Maybe that's the place where we should uh, we should start. Tell us a little bit about um, about linkages and what you do. Absolutely. So linkages is actually celebrating its twenty fifth year in Calgary, and we connect isolated seniors with youth and at risk and vulnerable youth with senior mentors in their own community, and we serve now uh, just about 700 seniors and youth annually through 15 school and care center programs and through a multitude of programs in five different communities around the city. Well, that, I mean, that sounds um, sort of smack bag on this kind of killing two birds with one stone. I'd love for you to share with us a little bit about, um, I mean, the program's got a lot of history now with 25 years. Um, you know, some of the, the, the benefits that you're seeing on, on both sides, so, you know, the, the at-risk youth, but also this issue of social isolationism and, you know, having perhaps a younger person in home with, uh, you know, with somebody. I'd love to hear a little bit about some of the stories you can share with us about the successes you've had. 
I sure can. So first of all, it's kind of interesting to note that there's some fair research out of the United States that indicates that a senior who is socially isolated experiences more health risks than someone Mm -hmm. who smokes 15 cigarettes a day. Oh, I didn't know that. Ouch. Uh, Yeah, it's quite powerful. So our uh, programs, as you had said, absolutely benefit both ways. So we have youth who benefit from a voice of experience and a different perspective and uh, folks who have just a lot of life knowledge to offer, and that goes both ways. Our youth are often able to teach seniors about technology, especially our more isolated folks. So when they can learn to Skype and Facebook with their grandkids who live across the country, it really does serve as a protective factor for them as well. And we find that they just become incredibly connected and build great friendships that last beyond the life of our programs, which is what we love to see the most. So, you know, I think that's incredible. I uh my grandfather had some experience uh, with your program and uh, benefited tremendously by having somebody, you know, that was a little younger around and could definitely help mm-hmm. around the house and do some things that he couldn't, um, which was uh, I thought was really was really cool. Um, you're down at a big conference right now, I think, in the United States, are you not? We are. So there was four of us that were yeah. able to come to the International Intergenerational Conference, right. which is held biannually, and it's here in Portland this year, and it brings together thought leaders from all over, all over the world to talk about intergenerational issues and also solutions. So what's the hot topic right now? There are two, actually. So one is which doesn't, I think, relate as much to Canada, hopefully, I may get in trouble for saying that, <laughs> is there are, uh, there's a large focus on supporting grand families, and what grand families are is grandparents who are raising their grandchildren unexpectedly uh, due to the loss of a parent through the opioid crisis in the United States, Right. which is really, really prevalent. And the reason that we're here specifically, as I had mentioned, was around the thought leaders of intergenerational programming. And one of the things that we have been focusing on is not only best practice, but exploring the idea of having an intergenerational housing program whereby either university or college youth could be Mm co-housed with seniors, and there are so many benefits to a concept like that, and it's being done successfully in several sites in the United States, so that's why we're here, to learn a little more about that. So I'm a bit interested in that. Are you you talking that, um, uh, you know, university student perhaps is living with a senior in their home, or this is, you know, a housing complex built to accommodate the needs of both of those and, um, and, and just get the intergenerational benefit of that? I think it could look like both of those scenarios. So the part that we're interested in is a Mm purpose-built housing model that would uh, support university-age youth and also to provide kind of a a tertiary level of care to some of the seniors, thereby reducing costs of long-term care and hopefully delaying the need to go to long-term care and also providing an increased quality of life for both, just through the ability to interact daily with someone of a different generation. 
That's interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm curious. <laughs> I'm curious on Basil how uh, maybe you know you and I would be when we're a little bit older, trying to <laughs> understand or watch the behavior of, of people like us when we were in university. I, you know, I, I, I'm sorry, I'm chuckling <laughs> a little bit about that. I think. Um, Boy, there'd be a lot to learn on both sides. I think for sure. Absolutely, I think um, when sure. when you have when you have uh, a bunch of people who are just going, growing up in a different world, yeah. and then you're mashing two different worlds together. Yeah, uh, some of the interesting stories that can come out. I just want to know as an old dude if I'd get the invite to like the frat party or something. No. Right? No, no. <laughs> no I can tell you right now, no. You never got the invite when you were in university. <laughs> Why would you get it now? <laughs> good boy. Then they generally start after my bedtime, anyways. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's great, um, Ruby. It sounds like a, a, you know an, an interesting conference, um, and certainly sort of the work that's being done around that. I think is uh, is very interesting. Your takeaway from this: what do you what do you expect to be bringing back to Calgary as a result of this? And and you know what do you think you can implement, and and what comes next? I think the biggest takeaway that I have from the conference is just increasing my understanding of how many outcomes intergenerational programming is able to achieve so in terms of better educational outcomes for children zero to five getting them on a better pathway for seniors as i had mentioned their health outcomes are dramatically in fact affected positively by having relationships with younger folks in the community and also uh, some knowledge about best practice and about how to move research and education and understanding of the benefits of intergenerational programming forward in Canada. Those are my takeaways and the things that I'm most excited about getting going on once we get home. So if anybody is interested in in this program, um, you know, listening in Calgary right now, how do they get a hold of you? They, for those, um, they can always go on our website at www.link-ages.ca and you can always just give our office a call. It's 403-249-0853 and any one of our amazing staff would be happy to talk to you a little bit further about that. Oh, that's terrific. Ruby, listen, I appreciate you taking some time away from the conference. I know you uh, you had to step out for a moment. We appreciate that, and appreciate you educating us about what you're doing. Oh, you're welcome. It was my pleasure, and thank you so much for having us on. Terrific. We've been joined by uh, Ruby Leacott. She's the Executive Director of Linkages Calgary. You know, Faisal, we talk an awful lot about... Uh, about the quality of life in retirement, right? What that journey looks like, how yep. to plan for it. Uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And we're going to talk about that at our upcoming seminar, right? Yeah, the financial burden that you have in the event of a long-term care need yep. and also enjoying the quality of your retirement. We're going to discuss all that on Tuesday, July 23rd, 7 p.m. The Four Points Sheraton Hotel. That's in West Calgary. You need to reserve your seats. Give us a call, 966-8400. That's 966-8400. Or go on our website to register at morethanmoneyradio.com. Stick around after the break. We're going to talk about whether or not the true source of happiness is money. You're on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Welcome back. You're here with Dave and Faisal on 770 CHQR and More Than Money. Uh, pretty interesting show today, I mean, as we you know cover off a whole bunch of different topics. But um, there's a common theme. You know, you and I were talking before doing the show here. And um, I'm going to pose a question to you. Okay. Okay. Is money the source of people's happiness? Ooh. Is money the source of your happiness? Mr. Philosopher, how yeah. are you? Well, I, you know, it's interesting. Um, 
Let me pose another question. Okay. Is money the source of your unhappiness? Huh. Hmm. That's a very good question. So let, let's, yeah, let's explore that. Um, and this is this, this sort of questions and maybe, maybe a bit esoteric and f- philosophical, but sort of at the heart of uh, a number of conversations I had. I mean, nothing was directly that, but, you know, it, it, it came down to this. And I, I, you know, I've had experiences this week in talking to people who um, have various amounts of money. Um, and there is no clear signal. There's no clear trend that having more money means happiness. Yeah. And there's no clear trend to say that if I don't have money, I'm happy. But yet people have said to me this week, if I just had more money, I'd be happier. Right. I've heard that too. And and I, that's a good question you brought up because I think when people are looking at their level of happiness in retirement as an example, right. they look at what they can do. And if they had more, they can do more. When you do more, you are happier. I don't buy that. Well, but and and I, I don't buy that. I, I even go a step further. That doing more doesn't always cost money. There's lots of things that I, I talk to people about that that they enjoy doing, like gardening in the backyard, as an example. Okay, that's not a particularly capital intensive project, right? Assuming you're not buying crazy uh, trees and stuff like that, I suppose. Yeah. But it, you know, it, it, we had a lot of conversation, and you and I talked about this before the show. Where, um, we got to ask that fundamental question because it often does come down to, and it, maybe it's a personality type, okay? Some people are just prone to say, looking at the money. And then it doesn't matter what's going on in their life, right? Ultimately, the happiness or lack of happiness in some cases is associated with the capital that they have. And that's not the case. I'm going I'm to... Listen, I don't think money is a source of happiness or unhappiness at, at it's all. It's a tool that can be it can help you with your happiness. Right. But it's and not it, the source. No, it's not it is definitely not the source. Got you. Okay. It so is, we, it, it is not, we agree. Look at that. Yeah, it is not it is not the source, but it's interesting to try to unhinge that from some people, right? Um it is a tool that we need in order to accomplish some of the things that we want to accomplish or experience some of the things we want to experience. But the experience itself, okay, um is what is valuable creates that source of happiness or discomfort, whatever the case may be. Um, and often there are multiple ways you can approach it, yeah. right? So traveling is a good example, right? Um, I don't know if traveling to um, uh, you know, a place where your family came from necessarily involves the Ritz-Carlton or the Four Seasons, right? Is that the experience you went for? Or is it the experience of you know, going to see where the family was from? So it, it's interesting to try to disconnect those things. I... I, I threw this out today, Faisal, because it's money can create a bunch of, of bad stuff. Like right? if the focus is the money, the outcome you, that you want may be missed, right? So this this planning around the experiences that you want in your in the lifestyle that you want, um, you got to start there first yeah. and work backwards from that. And maybe we, you know, we we talk about this an awful lot. But this week, I just a, a bunch of conversations boiled down to this. Yeah, for me, okay. right. And so I was asking myself the question, and of course, you and I were talking about: Is money the source of happiness? Right. I'm interested. If so, if you're listening to this, I, I'd be curious to get people's comments on this and like, email us. I I, I want to know what you're thinking about when I throw that question out there. Is money the source of happiness? And let's kind of just turn that question around because I've also heard that money is the root of all evil. Yeah, fair. Yeah. And so then I've also had, I have friends of mine who we have these types of conversations and they say money's not the root of all evil. The perception that you don't have enough money is the root of all evil. Hmm. And so it doesn't matter how much money you have. If okay. you've got $5 in your pocket or you got $5 billion in your pocket, if you think you don't have enough, that's where evil starts. Okay, fair. 
which is an interesting piece because when you're dealing with your 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 money, your portfolio, your savings for your future, if you think already from the get-go you don't have enough, that's how you're going to have your entire retirement. Right. Right. <clears throat> But if you believe you have enough or you believe that you can enjoy what you want to enjoy within what you've saved because you're you're here now. You can't change it. Right. You can't go back for another 20 years and start to work again and save even more money. Yeah. Right? And most people don't win lotteries. Like, it's just, you are where you are. So either you take the mindset of, this is where I'm at. How do I maximize my experiences and my enjoyment right. with what I have versus... I don't have enough. I don't have enough. And then it's always going to be negative. Well, you and I talked about this. Is it, because, because money is often mathematical and it's a number and you can see it, um, it can be focused on easily, right? So sometimes it's a bit harder when you go down this sort of philosophical argument about what is the source of my happiness? Like what are those experiences I want to have? Sometimes it's hard. That's that 31 sort of list that you talk about, right? Yeah. I've, got to, I've got to dig deep here to figure out what it is I want to be experiencing and enjoying. And in the absence of being clear on that, um, you know, we often hear, we know lots of people that have lots of money, I just want more. And then it's a fascinating conversation to ask, okay, so if you had more, what would you be doing differently? And often it's a blank stare. Uh, I, I, I don't know. Yeah. I travel more. Yeah, but you're frustrated with traveling because you're living out of a bag too much now. Are you sure that's the case? Yeah. Yeah, no. Right? So it's, 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 an interesting, it's an interesting thought process to go through. And what people sometimes really mean when they say, I wish I had more money, is more money gives me a sense of security so that things can't go wrong. Right. And so it's being insecure yeah. about where your situation is. And so if you only had more, we've said that about every mm -hmm. other thing in our lives. Mm -hmm. If I had more trunk space, if I had a smaller body, if I, if I was taller, well, I say that, you don't say that, <laughs> you know, those type of things come out of our mouths because if we didn't have this or if we did have something else, my life would be better. Yeah. And that's not necessarily true. Like, it must suck for you being so tall that you get the rain first before I do, right? Like, <laughs> it sucks. Except right? I've said, oh, I wish I was taller. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it, it, yeah, I find it, I find it very interesting. Now, um, so how do you overcome that, right? And, and um, this is part of the, what we talk about being self-directed versus other-directed as you move into retirement. So one of the, if, so philosophically, if you agree that, that money is not the source of happiness, it is, it is what these things can do for you, money being one of the tools that we can use. Then, you know, I think that this notion of taking control, uh, Barry LaValle is a speaker at our retirement conference, which we've got going on this week on. He, he won't be there with us this weekend, but his message is clear and it resonates with me all the time, is you've got to be, be self-directed. You need to wake up each day with a purpose of what it is you're going to do. But that purpose, that thing that you're going to do or those activities, those experiences you're going to have, have to relate back somehow to what you and your family want to experience, right? That's that source of happiness. And if you don't do it, if you don't make those decisions, the decision will get made for you. That time will be spent, right? And it may be spent on things you want or not, but if you're not taking control of it, chances are that not all of it's going to be spent on the things you want. And I think this is at the center of this, this notion of, um, of the unhappiness, right? I know lots of people that have plenty of money, but, you know, they're, they're struggling with certain issues, right, yeah. around that happiness. Okay, we've, we've beat that uh, horse to death, I think. <laughs> but it is a good question to ask and continually review back onto. Let's, uh, let's talk about helping people plan for their, for their retirement. Yeah, let's enjoy this, this phase in your life and how do you bulletproof your retirement. We'll talk about that on Tuesday, July 23rd, 7 p.m. at the Four Points 
Sheraton Hotel in West Calgary. Reserve your seats with us by giving us a call at 966-8400. That's 966-8400 or register online at morethanmoneyradio.com. Thanks for joining us for another edition of More Than Money on 770 CHQR. Look forward to speaking to you next week. David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli are portfolio managers and investment advisors with CIBC Woodgundy in Calgary. The views of David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli do not necessarily reflect those of CIBC World Markets, Inc. Clients are advised to seek advice regarding their particular circumstances from their personal tax and legal advisors. If you are currently a CIBC Woodgundy client, please contact your investment advisor. CIBC Woodgundy is a division of CIBC World Markets, Inc., a subsidiary of CIBC and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada. David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli are portfolio managers and investment advisors with CIBC Woodgundy in Calgary. The views of David Popovich and Faisal Carmelli do not necessarily reflect those of CIBC World Markets, Inc. Clients are advised to seek advice regarding their particular circumstances from their personal tax and legal advisors. If you are currently a CIBC Woodgundy client, please contact your investment advisor. CIBC Woodgundy is a division of CIBC World Markets, Inc., a subsidiary of CIBC and a member of the Canadian Investor Protection Fund and Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada.